Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 444 Wednesday, January 12th. Coming up on the show today, you'll be introduced to Nashville SC's new midfielder, Sean Davis, by the guys at Club & Country in our Golden Nuggets. We'll take a look at the statistical difference, growth, positive and negative for the Tennessee Titans from 2020 to 2021. And maybe, just maybe, Kirby Smart offered up some hope for some teams not named Alabama in the SEC. The 440 is brought to you by the Kingston Group. You guys know the drill. Nashville's award-winning, locally-owned, custom home and remodeling firm. There is zero reason for you to make any decisions about your house without speaking to them. You may not use them, but they're going to help you in the process. So check them out, buildkg.com. That's the Kingston Group. Buildkg.com is the website. So I'm not going to dive too deep into the analysis of the national championship game here two days later. If you want to hear really in-depth, thoughtful analysis, go check out the Fringe Element podcast. Myself, Aaron Dugan, Stephen Godfrey. That show, of course, out every single Wednesday and on YouTube. But I do want to talk about Nick Saban and maybe give some people some hope around the country, around the SEC. Nick Saban is obviously the greatest coach in the history of our sport, college football. He, he's got seven national championship rings at two different schools. It is clear that he's the greatest that's ever done it. He's evolved. He's changed. He's done it in multiple eras. And I think winning as many times as he has in this era, the modern era, with all the new things that are happening in college football, is far more difficult than doing it in the 60s, 70s, or 80s, or even 90s. That being said... He has lost in championship settings now multiple times to multiple teams and multiple coaches. And I don't say this as a negative to Nick Saban. As I just got done telling you, he's the greatest coach of all time, and I don't think it's even close. But in 2008, his Alabama team was undefeated in the SEC championship game. They lost to Tim Tebow in Florida. Had they won that game, they probably would have gone on to beat Oklahoma and win the national championship. In 2014, he lost to Urban Meyer again, but this time with Ohio State in the first game of the college football playoff in one of the greatest Sugar Bowls I've ever been to. That Alabama team probably goes on, with Derrick Henry, by the way, and Lane Kiffin, probably goes on to beat Oregon in the national championship game. 2016, he loses to Deshaun Watson and Dabo Sweeney and Clemson on the last second play to Hunter Renfro. 2018, he gets smoked by Trevor Lawrence, Clemson, and Dabo Sweeney again. 2019, losing to LSU when you're undefeated and number one in the nation. Maybe that one doesn't count because it was the regular season. Tua got hurt, and then they lost to Auburn a couple of weeks later. But had they not lost to LSU, even if they lose to Auburn, they still would have gone to the SEC championship game, made the playoff, and maybe had a chance at a title. And then, of course, on Monday evening, losing to Georgia and Kirby Smart. The point is... Alabama is great. Nick Saban is the greatest coach of all time. And if anything, the fact that he's won seven rings and also was close five or six other times only cements the fact that he's the greatest coach of all time. But what it also does is offer some hope to some fan bases, whether it's Florida and Billy Napier, LSU and Brian Kelly, Tennessee and Josh Heupel, Auburn and Brian Harson. You can beat him. You can win national titles in national championship settings. You need players that are as good as his, and you need to coach your butt off but it can be done. Urban Meyer's done it twice at two different schools. Dabo Sweeney's done it twice. Kirby Smart's now done it. We've seen assistants beat him now. It doesn't mean that he's not the greatest, but it means there's hope. There's hope for other programs in the SEC and around the country to compete with Alabama if you have the same type of players. It can be done, folks. Kirby Smart just showed us on Monday night. 
If you listen to yesterday's conversation that I had with Zach Lyons of the Football and Other Efforts podcast, he mentioned that he thought that this season with the drama and the work that Mike Vrabel has done and how talented this team is, the one seed, that this is arguably the second best season maybe in Titans franchise history behind obviously the Super Bowl run. What happens in the postseason, of course, will dictate a lot of where this season is viewed historically. But I thought we'd take a look at the statistics of the 2021 Titans and compare them to the 2020 Titans heading into the postseason. I'm going to throw a lot of numbers at you, but want to be clear on what they mean and how they impact this team's upside in the playoffs. On offense, we know many of the numbers are down due to injuries. This offense went from third in the NFL to 17th in the league, more than 50 fewer yards per game. They went from fourth in scoring to 15th in scoring, almost a full touchdown less per game. However, the rushing offense was just as strong, finishing fifth in the league this year after being second last year. The third down defense efficiency was almost as good, ranking eighth in the NFL this year after being fifth last season. And the Titans finished drives in the end zone equally as well, ranking fifth in the league this year after being second last season. Obviously, the injuries hurt this team's balance. However, with Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones back in the lineup, I think it's fair to increase expectations in the playoffs for this group. The two numbers that are most concerning on offense, however, were protecting the quarterback and protecting the football. Two things this Titans team did extraordinarily well last season. The Titans were second in the league in giveaways last year at fewer than one per game and sixth in the NFL in sacks allowed. This season, 23rd in giveaways, more than double as many as last season, and 26th in the league in protecting Ryan Tannehill. They gave up 47 sacks this year to just the 25 last season. All in all, the offense, the rushing attack, the efficiency, all Mike Vrabel calling cards were just as good this year. But there's no faster way to find yourself on the couch in the playoffs than turning the ball over and giving up sacks. Now, let's do the defense. And this is where Vrabel, Shane Bowen, Jim Schwartz, and every other person deserves a ton of credit over there for the Tennessee Titans. Across the board, this unit wasn't only just better than last year, but it went from one of the worst in the league to one of the best. And that is the real reason that this Titans team could win the Super Bowl. They gave up 70 fewer yards per game and 7 fewer points per game this year, moving the defense from 28th in the league and 24th in the league to 12th and 5th, respectively. Rushing defense went from 19th in the NFL to 2nd, failing to lead the league in rushing defense by only a tenth of a yard, which amounts to 40 fewer rushing yards per game. The third down defense went from historically bad and dead last to sixth in the league this year. Going from about 50% to 65% on third down amounts to two full possessions per game that the defense was giving to its offense this season that it wasn't doing last year. Red zone defense went from 30th in the league to 7th, which was 15 fewer touchdowns allowed. That's basically one less touchdown given up per game in the red zone by this Titans defense. And, of course, then there's pressuring the quarterback. From 30th in the NFL in sacks to 10th, which amounts to one and a half sacks more per game this year. And, of course, from 31st in the NFL in quarterback pressures to 21st. All without blitzing. This was the best pass rush in the NFL without having to blitz. And that right there, more than anything else, will win you a playoff game. Especially when your path could include names like Rodgers, Mahomes, Allen, or Burrow. After all that, it's not really rocket science. The Titans' offense got worse due to injuries, and the defense got way better due to simplified scheme, big-ticket free agents, and the development of young talent. John Robinson's offseason plan worked, at least for now. The key for this Titans team and its Super Bowl potential now lies with those two critical numbers, those two big question marks, turning the football over and protecting the quarterback. 
This team did not do either of them very well in 2021, and to make it to the Super Bowl, they will have to do both. Otherwise, all of that incredible defensive improvement will be for nothing. Well, it has been a little while since we last had a golden nugget, thanks to West Bowling, of course, getting trapped in Canada for the holidays. But we are back, and of course, with Nashville SC's player movement taking place in the offseason, the season in the new stadium right around the corner, Golden Nuggets are back from the guys at Club and Country, the podcast out every single Tuesday covering Nashville SC, West Bowling, Tim Sullivan. And this week, your Golden Nugget is to introduce you to the star midfielder that Nashville has acquired this offseason. Yes, we're all sad that Alistair Johnston is gone, but Sean Davis has been acquired. This is a 28-year-old midfielder who is in the prime of his career, and Nashville SC went out and got him this offseason. So here is your introduction from the guys at Club and Country to your new midfielder for Nashville SC. This is a big acquisition for Nashville SC. What you may not know is he ranked in the top 10 in Major League Soccer in eight categories last season. That doesn't include distance covered, where he was uh, among the most active, maybe the the most active in distance covered, I believe, um, in Major League Soccer last year. So, Tim, you ready for this list of of his top 10 rankings? I know one of them. Minutes for a field player, because he was the only field player who played every minute for his team. Yes, he was first in minutes. He was first in interceptions. He was second in most passes into the final third. He was third in tackles attempted, seventh in tackles won, the seventh most aerials won, eighth most progressive passes, and the ninth most pressures. Now, a lot of those are Red Bulls stats, right? Mm -hmm. This is a pressing team. So you're going to, if you're a central midfielder playing every minute, yeah, you're going to get a lot of interceptions. You're going to press a lot. You're going to win a lot of tackles. You're going to win a lot of 50-50s. All that's given But Sean Davis has played a lot of soccer for Red Bulls, and by those stats, by the standards they set, it was a career season. It was the best season of his career. So he's coming in, ranking a top MLS in a lot of categories. You would expect an active Red Bull to be at the top of MLS in, even still, by his own standards, career year. That was Wes Bowling and Tim Sullivan talking about Sean Davis, the new signing in the offseason for Nashville SC, the big acquisition, of course, from the New York Red Bulls. If you want to go deeper, of course, on Nashville SC soccer with the new stadium and the new season approaching quicker than you might think, make sure you are tuned in. The Club and Country podcast out every single Tuesday right here on the 440 Sports Network. The 440 is brought to you by the Kingston Group. You guys know the drill. Nashville's award-winning, locally-owned, custom home and remodeling firm. There is zero reason for you to make any decisions about your house without speaking to them. You may not use them, but they're going to help you in the process. So check them out, buildkg.com. That's the Kingston Group. Buildkg.com is the website. Thank you guys all for listening, of course. Please rate, review, subscribe, share the show. Check out the YouTube page, at 440 Sports on Twitter, at 440 Media on Instagram, 440 Sports across all platforms. We really appreciate it. Go check out all the other shows as well. My name's Braden Gall. Thank you all for listening. This has been the 444 Wednesday, January 12th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.